cold that Thursday night. I walked into the theater at 10.30. My movie's starting soon. Grabbed a Coke, grabbed some M&Ms, and went to my seat. It was row A, seat number 12, close to the outside. If it wasn't for the reclining seats, it might have been a problem. But needless to say, I got through it. The trailers for the films coming up were loud and obnoxious. Not just the trailers, but the people around me. The whole theater just would not shut up. It was loud. People were clearly excited. Small child sat next to me. Little girl next to her brother. I had assumed that the movie would be insufferable with that high-pitched tone that she made. Then... The trailers ended, the IMAX screen came up, and something unexpected happened. Everything went silent. The screen came up, it's trademark blue text, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. The hair began to stand up on the back of my neck. Silence clear. Everybody was waiting for it. And then it happened. John Williams' score went and picked up, and the title crawl began. I wasn't sure what to expect. I remembered episode one and the cheers that happened in the crowd when it came on. I remembered The Force Awakens when the same thing happened. This one was different. It seemed like everybody in the crowd knew it. Small children included. There wasn't a peep. We were all fixated on the scroll and the information with the story therein. The film didn't really give you a lot of time to process it, though. And suddenly, the rebellion was under attack. The resistance base that we knew from the previous movie, we saw blown to bits. Everybody trying to go and escape on one large carrier. The Empire was, well, not an empire anymore. The First Order. The new empire. Bearing down on them. And one lone X-Wing. Going to meet them. It was a different start than I'd seen with any other Star Wars film. The action was instant. There was no lead-up to anything. It was just there. From the very opening moments of the film, it was tense. And the people that I had only just discovered in the previous film were in danger. Instantly captivated. It was a feeling I can't say I've really had watching any other previous film. And I get the feeling that a lot of the people around me felt the same way. From the instant we saw that lone X-Wing fire up its jets and blast into action, everybody's eyes were glued to the screen. I'm not sure I breathed the entire time I was watching it. The entire theater seemed absolutely silent. We were all captivated by what was going on. The severity of the moment turmoil going on between the First Order's troops and the Resistance leadership 
trying to go and rein everything in, the film started differently. The silence from the crowd deafening as we were able to go and take in everything from the film. And only when that lone X-Wing pilot arrived back on the transport did I hear the one voice from the crowd in the entire movie. The little girl next to me I was convinced was going to give me a headache through the whole film. Wow. The film continued. Watched all the way through. I didn't look behind me to see how many people were left in the theater. Like always, I prefer to go and watch a film all the way to the end. To go and give the people in the credit their due. Even though I don't work in the film industry and would never hire these people, I want to show them respect. Everything ended. No post-credit sequence. It was a Star Wars movie, after all. I got up and looked back. There were three other men in the theater. All of us were strangers, as far as I could tell. We walked out. All of us heading to the restroom. Lined up side by side. Not a word said between us. As we all left, in pretty uniform order, we are men after all, it doesn't take us a long time to go and do our business and wash our hands. We all walked outside of the theater. I looked to my right, and I saw a man looking to his left, and saw me and the two other men. I asked, what did you think? We all just looked at each other. And the first man to my left, I think, said it all. I haven't been that satisfied since the Empire Strikes Back. That little girl's reaction, what that man said, pretty much sums up my night. Walking out of a movie theater at almost 2.30 in the morning, on a day that I was going to be at work at 9am, was so satisfying. Such a unique experience. But I think the little girl said it best. Wow. Anyway, everybody, welcome to Zio, a Soccer Arrangers podcast. Tonight, it's going to be a little bit different here. The other guys were busy, so it fell to me to go and do something. I decided to go and see The Last Jedi. And I decided to go and bring in somebody who I could nerd out properly with for this film. Decided to go and bring in somebody that some of you know very well. And for those of you who don't, well, Japan, let me introduce you to John the Mega McHugh. How's it going, everybody? It's been a while. Yes, it has. Yes, it has. By the way, we have Japanese leadership or uh, Japanese listeners now. Crap, so, uh, when did this happen? You know, I don't know. We're very confused by this. We we got our own server uh, for iTunes, and we got on Google Play, and now suddenly people are listening to us internationally, and it's so it's like, what? What is this? When did this happen? When did this happen? I don't know, but I like it. So do I. It was bound to happen. Oh my god, right. But yes, John, for anybody that has not met you before, uh, why don't you just give us a little little glimpse into who you are, what you do, uh, where, your, where your fandom base is, really, I guess, is what it comes down to. Well, I'm a cosplayer. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the martial arts and Japanese swordsmanship. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
one of my biggest draws has always been uh, Power Rangers or Super Sentai mm-hmm. for our Japanese viewers. <laughs> Don't need the pander, man. Um, <laughs> Kamen Rider um, anime, but I say video games mm-hmm. are one of my biggest draws, but one of my fondest fandoms I accepted early on when I was young would have had to have been Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly the reason why I need to bring you here. John is kind of a lore master. He lives and breathes in his fandoms in ways that you will never see. This guy just takes in absolutely everything. So, needless to say, he was the guy I had to have come on and join us here to go and talk about this movie. Uh, And I'm just going to go and get out of the way. John, your opinion, should previous fans of the series see this film and i'm not just talking about uh the casual viewership i think they're gonna go anyway just because it is a new experience and even though the prequels have their issues i can only say that really one of them is flat out bad in terms of you know being (laughs) being a movie (laughs) are we talking about the gungans misa no like that at all (laughs) <laughs> okay okay misa but got yeah, turned into I'd ground say, meat well we don't know that uh okay maybe that probably did yeah happen, let's let's but... be honest here <laughs> well we do know things did not end well for nabu let's just leave it at that yeah yeah no kidding <laughs> but uh, yeah anyone that's a fan of star wars whether it's any form of media, the video games, Old Republic, the books, Clone Wars, heck, even like older fans like myself, this is a great time to be a uh, to be a uh, Star Wars fan, and it's just amazing. Really, the movies were. I have no issues. A lot of my fans who are purists, mm-hmm. polite word for it, yeah. I guess, <laughs> hated Episode Seven for small issues, mm-hmm. this, that, and the other thing. But I enjoyed it. I think they did a good job building upon the lore that was already there. I think Disney's done a good job with it so far. Yeah, and that is kind of the interesting thing, because I do know that the Disney connection now is something that drives a lot of people crazy. Um, And I do kind of get it. I mean, it does feel like Disney is taking an ownership in all of the big franchises now in film. Uh, Kind of becoming a Death Star in and of itself, not to make a pun here, but I mean, really, they're... They're creating this huge new media empire through their recent acquisitions of 20th Century Fox, Star Wars, Marvel. Um, although I still stand by Marvel, that was more of a uh, mercy killing than anything else. That uh, that was not going to be a brand. But much I mean, longer. but you you do have a point with yeah, that. But but also mm-hmm. if it if it wasn't for Disney, films like The Avengers, which people would have said would have been impossible, would have never have happened. Yeah. No, and I definitely would agree with that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, and I say this as a big Disney fan and, you know, actually being able to go and say on who a current president of the company is, you know, and going back in history and all Mm -hmm. that. Um, Wow, I sound like I'm bragging about knowing names like Bob Iger. (laughs) Very few people know that name. I know, I know. And he's actually leaving now. So, I mean, it's, uh, that's even kind of a moot point at this juncture. But, uh, 
yeah, I know that a lot of people have, you know, issues with that. And I think that Star Wars does get beat up a little bit unjustly for that. And I'll be honest here. I think a lot of the criticism of Episode 7 is, in a lot of respects, very fair. I am a Mm -hmm. big J.J. Abrams fan. And I will say, the movie definitely had a lot of J.J. moments inside of it. It Yeah, like when... Especially. When we saw Han and Chewie and the weird tentacle monsters and all that, it's just like, why was that in the movie? That's that's just a J.J. Abrams thing. I don't know what it is. The guy likes tentacles, so I, I don't really get it. But um, True. <laughs> but at the same time, I also defend the movie because there – a lot of us think of Star Wars as being the original trilogy. I got to be honest. In many respects, I consider myself to be in that kind of position. I know that there's a lot of spinoff stuff, but – I have really always looked at Star Wars as being the first three films. Because the prequels, with the exception of uh, Phantom Menace, they weren't bad, but they weren't Star Wars, you know? Yeah. there There were elements of it in there, but it just never felt like a Star Wars series of movies at that point. And then, you know, there's the forgotten... Star Wars movie, and I'm not talking about the Ewoks, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh. But let us not forget, Star Wars The Clone Wars was a theatrically released movie. Before Mm -hmm. it was even pitched as a television show. Oh, yeah. George Lucas insisted on having a theatrical release film because he thought an animated version could reinvigorate uh, the fandom. In a way, it kind of did. It, it led to some other stuff. It did, but... I mean, a lot a lot of people had great memories of the uh, uh, Gindy, uh, Gindy's Clone Wars uh, micro-series. Oh, God. The, the Gindy Tartakovsky uh, Clone Wars micro-series, if you guys have never found... Or if you've never watched this, and occasionally somebody will upload it to YouTube, it's become somewhat hard to go and find anymore, unfortunately. But Gendy Tartakovsky, the guy who created uh, Dexter's Lab and Samurai Jack, did this great two-season miniseries, basically, uh, where they went and filled in gaps between episodes uh, two and three. And they were awesome. Like, the action was great. That is where, outside of... The extended universe of books, people went and came to learn about characters like General Grievous or Assange Ventress, mm-hmm. uh, and a reason to actually kind of be afraid of Count Dooku, because <laughs> I can't say we really got that in the movies. Dooku was very dangerous in the books and in the extended lore. Yeah, that's just it. I I loved that micro series, but that 3D CGI hyper her stylized Clone Wars movie was, once again, not good. And I think in a lot of respects, it's a miracle that uh, Warner Brothers, Turner Broadcasting, you know, the larger entities behind Cartoon Network decided to take it on as their primary broadcast partner for the television series, which also got off to kind of a rough rough start on there. Though I still stand by, even if you never want to watch an episode of uh, Clone Wars... You have to at least go to season one. There's an episode called Rookies. It is the only reason why I watched that show. It just came on one day. 
And I was like, oh, oh yeah. God, I'm going to have to go and watch some stupid Anakin stuff. And I couldn't find the remote. I remember very vividly, I was setting up the Christmas tree in my parents' house. And I could not find the remote to save my life. And like five minutes into the episode, it's like, ugh, whatever. Okay, I'm just going to stop looking for the remote. And as the episode continued, I was more and more drawn into it. Because it's like, there's no Jedi. It's a rough episode, yeah, there's, too. There's no Sith. Oh, my God. Did he just say hell? Oh, my God. Did the other guy just mm-hmm. say damn? Like, whoa, wait a minute. They're, you know, not not hard-level cursing here, but they're actually cursing in a kid's TV show. What is going on here? And thankfully, uh, my parents had a DVR, so I rolled it back uh, when I finally found the remote and started actually watching it from the beginning. And it is one of the best episodes of a TV show I have seen because I walked into it with no understanding. I didn't see the Clone Wars movie when it was in theaters. I did not, uh, I didn't really go and care about the TV show. Uh, I know you can't spell ignorance without IGN. You know, we've, we've all heard that joke. Uh, but I read IGN's review of the first episode of Clone Wars, and they gave it an abysmal write-up. And sure enough, watching it back later, oh my god, it deserved it. But at the same time, this one particular episode got me interested, and I wanted to know more. So mm-hmm. I started DVRing it, and sure enough, the first season has a lot of cringy episodes. And I swear, any time that you have Anakin and Padme in the same episode, it is guaranteed to be the most painful thing you will ever watch. Like even in later yeah, season stuff, those, yeah, the two was so awkward. Oh my god! Another cool thing not many people knew about was there was a a really good Star Wars game that came out called Republic Command. Yeah, there we go. And all done from the perspective of these four troopers from Delta Squad. Yeah. In season towards the end of season one, or it might have been the beginning of season two, Delta Squad actually had a cameo in one of the episodes. Mm-hmm. And that was very well done. Like, they actually got the voice actors for the game and everything. It was just a nice little Easter egg to the uh, hardcore start to the Star Wars community. Yeah, that's kind of the weird thing about it because, and I I really only came to realize this uh, closer to the Clone Wars cancellation after Disney bought it out and they were ending their contract uh, with Turner Broadcasting and Cartoon Network. Um, I really didn't think about it as I was watching it, but... It actually is, and there's some argument now because some things have been changed uh, since Disney's purchase on there. They've more unified the storyline, which, guys, don't blame Disney entirely for that. George Lucas did a lot to destroy the universe themselves. Uh, oh, God, what, what what was the name of that uh, underwhelming video game series? Is that the Force Unleashed? Is that what it was? Oh, the Force... Star Wars The Force Unleashed was a side story that they came up with where Vader had a secret apprentice. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, Which has always kind of been an interesting idea for people in the Star Wars community because it was common practice for a Sith to have an apprentice, but he was just overly powerful. Yeah, no, and unfortunately, when the first game came out, George Lucas said that it would basically go and take five books out of the you know Star Wars extended universe, which was never declared at least by the production companies to be canon, but was always treated as canon anyway. The problem was the five books that it uh, directly took out of that 
ended up having massive ripples throughout the course of most of the books in the extended universe. So we ended up with a lot of that stuff just being discharged anyway. The question of what was considered to go and be any sort of, I won't even go as far as to say canon, but any acceptable storyline and how it's connected kind of fell apart as a result of George Lucas going and recognizing The Force Unleashed as being canon property to the Star Wars universe. So... Well, Disney definitely has changed a lot more things, and they've taken a lot of things out. Um, I don't blame them entirely for it. Clone Wars is kind of in a weird area where it's not 100% treated as canon now. Uh, and I'm sure that that has more to do with licensing than anything else. But a lot of elements from it have become canon, even in this new universe that we're talking about now. But Clone Wars really did a nice job of going and setting up the world as what it would become in episodes four, five, and six. Because originally I thought Mm -hmm. of it as being more of a bridge between episodes two and three. But ultimately, the Clone Wars 3D CGI show was more about setting up the world of episodes four, five, and six than it was about setting up episode three. That's where Kendi Tartakovsky's series came into play. And I think that's awesome! Because it was actually looking ahead and finding things. And now another uh, canon property for the new Star Wars universe, Star Wars Rebels, which originally was not supposed to be a sequel follow-up series to the Clone Wars, uh, has adopted a lot of characters and elements from Clone Wars and has made them into canon elements in the process. Which pretty good job with it yeah too. no it's it's actually really cool to go and see especially with characters like ahsoka tano who i know technically existed beforehand but at the same time her real purpose going forward was never properly established rebels has brought her in as an actual character now and it works extremely right. well i like that characters like uh, the Clone Trooper Rex, who were fan favorites from the Clone Wars, are now canon in this universe. Uh, as older characters, obviously, but they're so well established going forward that you can really see more coming out of it. I know right now we're looking at the Star Wars spinoffs being things like Rogue One and Han Solo, which definitely make for great stories it's stuff that we actually do want to know more about you know rogue one was kind of almost written by itself anyway just because we knew that that event happened the han solo movie is going to be a little bit more flexible in the way it's designed will we get an obi-wan kenobi movie we know there's rumors there's potential there's good potential for an obi-wan well that's just it especially since you know and i'm gonna try to avoid spoilers in this statement but uh season four of star wars rebels did go and feature obi-wan and oh, his yes. continued struggle with Darth Maul, who, if you've only watched the movie, spoiler alert, he didn't die. <laughs> it's it's ironic how many times he comes back. Yeah, that one. It's always it's always Ben Kenobi's job to go and take him out. It's it's great. It's it's a great story. Anyway, boy, we really got off on a tangent there. We were talking about. <laughs> Episode 8, The Last Jedi, and uh, we, we went into the whole <laughs> thing. This this is the dangerous part about having a Mega McHugh on. <laughs> man, this is the best part. Yeah, it's dangerous. It's dangerous, man. 
one other thing I can add about Rebels before we go, yeah. though, was their introduction of characters from the books that were Kanan. Yes. Like Caden. Mm-hmm. Like their way they did Caden from the books. Mm-hmm. He was fantastic. Oh, God. Caden and Hera are like the reason yes. to go and watch it. Like, I really like Sabine. I think that she is really interesting. Uh, I like Ezra Bridger. I think that he's a really well. It's a well-written character because he does go and fill the role of the naive young man that's so often in these Heroes Journey stories. But they took somebody who was intentionally annoying and have continued to develop him while still maintaining that constant character trait, but not in a way that makes me want to go and rip my ears off every time I hear them speak. Or Zeb and Chopper, who are essentially are essentially comic relief. Oh my god, that mm-hmm. is, they just did such a good job with that show. Sorry, I, at some point we're going to need to talk about Rebels, I think, after it's all over. over. Yeah, <laughs> which is coming soon, but so yeah. I think on their last season, but we know it's going to be a good yeah, end. Yeah, exactly. Oh god, the things that have gone on. We're not going to talk about that, though. Werkta went back to The Last Jedi. Um, at the point where this all started, I think that the criticism when it comes to Episode 7, while fair... We needed a Star Wars movie to come back and to go and give us what we were missing. I love that Rogue One ends with hope. Yo, Mm -hmm. that's the constant theme of that. Well, people have fairly commented that The Force Awakens is basically just a rehashed version of A New Hope. Star Wars, you know, now titled Episode 4. But it was the original one to come out. We needed a movie that went back to the roots of the franchise. And while definitely different, and while you might criticize some of J.J. Abrams' directorial decisions, at the same time, it most definitely deserves comment that what we saw there did go and establish that there is a quality to this universe again. You Mm -hmm. might not have necessarily been into it. I think we were all hoping for a bit more of an original story. But it set things up brilliantly for both side stories as well as what we just had. A direct sequel that takes place within hours of the end of Episode 7. Yeah, it literally takes off where 7 ends. Yeah. Like, oh my god. I As a lead-in... It's pretty darn good. And episode 8, I think, is really the first true standalone Star Wars movie of this new generation. And mm-hmm. I'll be blunt. I think, despite some negative feedback from fans, which I also think is probably fairly deserved, I do also think that this is legitimately the best Star Wars movie since Empire. And that's not me saying that the other movies are bad. I liked Return of the Jedi. I actually did like... Um... Oh, dear God. Why am I uh, Why am I forgetting the name? Revenge of the Sith. There we go. <laughs> Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, yeah. Episode... I actually liked Episode 3. It's got serious problems. But that one... That one actually felt like there was a cohesive thought going into it. Because yeah. you could honestly go and make a movie, I think, out of episode one and two if you just went and cut out all the unnecessary stuff and just shoved them together. 
That is kind of a true statement. Yeah, exactly. But this one, I, John, I want you to talk about this movie because I worried I'm going to sound like a fanboy because while I can criticize plenty of things, I will also say that most of those criticisms are things that in context really don't matter. When we're looking at the whole film, it really doesn't matter. So, I'll just say I liked it. John, please, take this away. This is non-spoiler here, folks. Uh, Gotta make that point. We will be doing a spoiler section a little bit later. So, John, please, talk. Well, when I first saw the trailers, you know, everyone saw the trailers. We all thought it was going to be The Empire Strikes Back Mm 2.0. I think that's a pretty safe statement for a lot it, of people. It's kind of felt like that watching the trailers. It, it, but going into it, it really wasn't. It was like a combination of a new hope and the Empire Strikes Back. Now that's interesting. You I, put it that way because I, I don't know if I necessarily saw that. Please tell me more. I'm, I'm kind of curious. Because when you left a movie, there was this bit of hope. Ray had a purpose. She was a. She could be a Jedi. Mm-hmm. And the the seventh movie ends with her finding Luke and handing him the lightsaber. And then we go to episode, the lead into the trailers for The uh, Last Jedi. And even the name itself, The Last Jedi. Because now we're thinking, it's a new hope, because what does it mean by The Last Jedi? Does that mean Luke is The Last Jedi and there's going to be no more? Or is a new... Luke is an old type of Jedi that will no longer exist and Rey being a new one. Okay, okay. So I guess you're not talking about the progression of the story was like going and merging those elements. You were looking at it more from a philosophy standpoint then. A lot of ways, yeah. Because the Jedi have been destroyed on multiple occasions, Mm -hmm. actually. (laughs) Multiple occasions. There's an understatement. Because... The unfortunate truth about it is the Jedi have actually given birth to some of the worst scum in the galaxy. You don't say. Whether it be from bad teachings or from powers they could not comprehend or control. Mm -hmm. Because really, in the end of the day, they're human. They may be Jedi, but they're human. Luke Skywalker is human. Mm -hmm. And no one knows why he's on this godforsaken island nobody knows but they he went to a pretty long distance to hide himself i can't argue that and when a, and when we were watching can we talk about episode seven about oh yeah yeah no no about spoilers it's been two years now which i think is a fair amount of time and thing number two right. which i think is more important that film was such a landmark and has been available on so many different platforms in many cases for free like netflix that the only person I think that hasn't seen it is Cole. I think that's a true statement. Yeah, unfortunately, it's a true statement. But to lead into The Last Jedi, talking about this more, Rob, when you first saw that image of Kylo Ren doing the Force power, wearing the helmet, what was your thought about that? <sighs> I'll be. What was the feeling you got? Okay, so the first time that I saw Kylo Ren going and using... You're talking about the beginning of the movie where he catches that... Uh, blaster bolt. Blaster okay, bolt. Okay. Or even the trailer where they first showed off him drawing the cross guard saber. Okay. So 
I'll go and say the trailer aside, because I think we were all just kind of caught up in, oh my God, there's a new Star Wars. Yeah, like we knew we knew what was going to happen, but we didn't see something like that. And I think the cross guard saver, I think all of us were going and thinking, really? More blades? That's how you out Vader Vader? Cross guards have existed before in the Star Wars universe. They are canon. Thank you, Mr. Lore. Uh, <laughs> sorry, had to get that out of the way. But, uh, yeah, when I first saw him go and catch that blaster bolt, it was like, this guy's a threat. Now, mm-hmm. I don't think you can make a new Darth Vader. And I think that no, nobody can. Well, that's just it. And I think that's an ignorant point that a lot of people miss. I don't think you can make a new Darth Vader because that character is such a unique thing. And anytime you've seen somebody trying to imitate or impersonate, it doesn't work. It just mm-hmm. never looks right. Because when it came to cinematography and even the original Star Wars, whenever Vader was on screen, it demanded presence. Well, that's just it. That's one thing I will give George Lucas a lot of credit with. He knew how to utilize Darth Vader, despite really not doing a lot in the original movies. I I watched it back recently, no, he... and I thought to myself, what? What has he actually done? The most we ever saw him do was when it got to The Empire Strikes Back. That's when he was starting to do more of a role. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, the first time that we saw him, you know, going and coming on to the blockade runner with Princess Leia. Okay. We didn't really see him do a lot. We saw him force choking the guy. We saw him choke Yeah, exactly. Oh, the force choke thing. That... That's the most intimidating thing I think that he did in the entire first movie. And all of us feared him. And in a good yeah, because way. It's, because we were told about the Force from Obi-Wan. The Force flows through all living things. Yeah. And Obi-Wan was a kind mentor. He was there for Luke. But then you have Vader who seems to be using it to kill people. Yeah. It's a great contrast. So we... It is a great contrast. And Vader with the mask. So we know now that Vader wears the mask for a breathing purpose. But it's also, it has intimidation. But then when we go to Kylo, he wears that helmet with the voice modulator. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which I will go and say, I actually thought that there was something very smart going on in the first film that they didn't capture properly. That they did get right in The Last Jedi. Because oh, yes. when I first saw him, to, to your original question with the blaster bolt, it was more than just he was a threat. It was clear that there was more going on behind that mask. Darth Vader... Because he's using yeah. it. Yeah. D- he's using it as a shield. Exactly. Because Darth Vader, very clearly, that was a character that only ever needed to exist with the mask. In some respects, I don't think we yes. were ever really supposed to find out what was under the mask. It didn't matter. That was no, Vader. Didn't. You know, even seeing what was under the mask, it's him on his deathbed, and he is a different man than what we saw at the beginning of A New Hope. It's redemption also, because it's representation. Because what the helmet was e- like the evil entity of Vader, and he asked him to take the mask off. Luke goes, but you'll die. And then Vader goes, I'm already dead. Yeah. And then when he removes the helmet, Luke goes, I'm sorry, I couldn't save you. And he goes, but you did. Yeah. Because at that point, he removed and came back to the light. Yeah. And then you have 
Kylo Ren. And the first time that we hear him, we can tell that this is not some older character. This mm-hmm. is not somebody that sounds very experienced. He doesn't even necessarily sound confident. No. That was something that James Earl Jones' portrayal as Darth Vader really worked. Is that more than anything else, I saw him as being a confident and powerful man. It was more than just the voice. It was more than just the mannerisms of the guy in the suit. All of it came together to go and be. He was committed. Exactly. He was something powerful just by himself. And that really works well. Then... And the biggest... Yeah. Cr- oh, sorry. Because no, no. what I was going to say is, and then you have Kylo Ren, who I saw a lot of people kind of criticize because I think they were looking for him to be the next Vader. And I think for the first time that we heard him speak, we should know that he wasn't. And when we saw Adam Driver's face underneath that mask, and, okay, he's... Kind of a pretty boy. He kind of looks like a young Harrison Ford, but with really wild hair. And, you know, that, I think, being an intentional thing, obviously, considering the fact that obviously. he's been solo, in case you weren't aware. <laughs> that's one thing I... Uh, uh, that's the major criticism you get from a lot of people, yeah. is he wasn't Vader. But I'm glad he wasn't Vader. That's just it. Whenever he was doing anything, when he was using the Force to manipulate or interrogate people, he had a conflicted look on his yeah. face. He was struggling with, did he really want to do this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that... And like I said, I think I get a lot of the criticism with it, but I think part of it's also perception-related. And in the case of Kylo Ren in The Force Awakens, yeah, there were some things that could have been done stronger with the character, but I don't think you can make a new Vader. They needed to no. make something that was more than Vader. They needed to set something up. And the reality is what they did with, you know, this mysterious uh, Supreme Leader Snoke. And, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll get to him later. And how he turned this Force-sensitive young kid, the child of two of our favorite heroes from the original story... While they could have done some things better, just in description alone, that is an interesting character. It is. That's something I want to go and see more. I want to see develop more. And once again, being a fan of J.J. Abrams, but realizing that there are some quirks about his style that can be limiting. When we saw him... More than once going and having these fits of anger where he just starts lashing out and going breaking things. I know that that was something that J.J. was trying to do to lighten the mood of a scene. To give us more. But at the same time, it was also too funny. (laughs) It took us a little bit out of the moment. We couldn't take Kylo Ren as a serious threat as a result of it. If there was one thing I would criticize about The Force Awakens when it comes to Kylo Ren and his position, it's that he wasn't taken quite as seriously as he could. They gave us everything Mm -hmm. we needed to know that he was powerful and strong, but they didn't give us anything to make us personally feel threatened by him. 
No, they yeah, didn't. Yeah, I even... And I don't know if you'll agree with me on this, but having seen the original trilogy, having seen Darth Vader and on how powerful he is from start to finish, and also now being an adult and realizing he didn't actually do all that much, but mm-hmm. I still feared him, I respected him, seeing what they did with him in Rebels, that season two premiere, I actually felt, even as an adult, threatened by this character. They yeah. captured that Vader. so well. And I think that people were looking for that in Kylo Ren, and it just wasn't going to happen, because that's not... He wasn't supposed to be the new Vader. He's the new no, Vader toy, but he's not the next Vader. He's something else altogether, and we're probably going to see it transform even more. Exactly. And this is one place that I actually thought that uh, The Last Jedi really managed to go and complete what we were looking for from last time. Because this time around, while he clearly is still dealing with his own self-struggles, we finally saw this combination of he is powerful, he is a threat, Mm -hmm. but he's also something that... I can't predictably know what's going to happen next. And that's what makes it so interesting. Yeah. Because we don't know what's going to happen next. It's not cemented. Exactly. I This one did something different for me as well, because um, I'm actually talking a lot more than I thought I would. This is kind of a weird thing. John knows how to go and get me going with this stuff. Um, in episode seven... I really wasn't concerned about the mortality of any of the characters. The only one no, we the only one that I really felt was going to die, and it's just because at this point we had so well established everything that was a new hope. It's like whoever he meets out there on the middle of that catwalk is going to die. And it's probably going to be his dad. Yeah. It's going to be Han Solo. And it was Solo, but the question is did Han Solo turn on the lightsaber? Mm-hmm. And that is another great question and one that we will go and see ultimately. I don't want to go and try to make any wild speculation on here because I do think that some stuff from The Force Awakens was also retconned before uh, The Last Jedi. Because there were a few things that where it's true. like, okay, I think I think there was a bigger plan and they walked away from this. We'll get into spoilers a little bit later and talk about this, but... I, I do kind of wonder about that just a little bit. But I will say, in this movie, and this is something I think is a mark of a good film when you're talking about something like this. Because ultimately, Star Wars is exactly what the title says. It is a war Star Wars. in fucking space. With laser swords. Yes, yes. <laughs> but, I mean, the mortality of these characters... space wizards. Yeah, that's just it. The mortality of these characters is actually something that can happen these heroes these icons these people we've known since we were children they're not invincible yeah that's just it but we just we just thought they were and then all of a sudden you see han die and that's a that's a major stab to the gut yeah because han solo even in his age i mean he was he was still the same han solo he was stabbing people in the back left and right trying to make his sales yeah no he and he cared about his son. Deep down, he loved him. Yeah. No. 
and that's why he was willing to go onto that catwalk with no weapon to try to talk to him. Yeah, there's just... There is so much to talk about when it comes to the relationships and the connections of these characters. And something that I would say that both Abrams as well as the new director were able to fully utilize were the connections between the characters and bringing us through the old guard into a new world with the new characters. One thing I really enjoyed, I know a lot of people hated it, but one of the best parts in that movie was on Starkiller Base when the sun was finally depleted and the light was gone. Mm -hmm. And they're running through the forest, and that's when Kylo Ren's in front of them. And you just see him ignite the lightsaber, and you just see the red of his blade light up the entire area. Oh, that. That that was an intimidating scene, because at that point, you felt he crossed the line. He killed his father. Yeah, no, that that's the only place where I did wonder about the mortality of some of the characters in the first movie. Because... And that... Yeah. No, also a cool part about it was Finn growing up because Finn went from being a coward to actually caring about these people around him. Yeah, most definitely. He and the I mean, when we first saw those trailers, we thought uh we thought Finn was going to be the Jedi. We all thought Finn was going to be the Yeah, we we thought saber-wielding we, Jedi. We thought he was going to be the one that met Luke and learned how to become a Jedi. Yep. And now that's a plot twist. Yeah, no, that's just it. We didn't know who who this Ray girl was, what her point in this whole story was going to be. I remember before the movie came out and people were asking the question of who is this character? Is she the daughter of Princess Leia that went off into hiding somewhere? Mm-hmm. Uh, is she some sort of space royalty? Like people were actually, this is a weird thing to me because a lot of the criticisms are people expecting things that don't happen. oh yeah Yeah. people coming up with theories left and right like some of the best theories i've heard about ray yeah like the most ridiculous one everyone wants to believe is that she's the distant granddaughter of obi-wan which don't get me wrong that'd be pretty damn awesome but at the same time why do all these characters need to be related to each other yeah they're all long gone everybody was looking for that and i know i know a lot of people, and myself included, wants to go and see Amara Jade Skywalker. We, we want to go and see that. But the reality is, those stories are part of a past that's never going to exist in the films. All part of the book's canon. Exactly. This time around, and it was a great deception campaign. And I will go and say, despite thinking that... J.J. Abrams' mystery box concept, which if you've never seen him talk about the mystery box, it's it's kind of a cool thing, and I do think that has a place in films. There were too many mysteries in The Force mm-hmm. Awakens, and it left people wondering what, or asking too much about certain things. And we'll talk about that more when we get into spoilers, which we're going to get to here eventually, I promise. Um, but, yeah, watching... Watching both the films, it's been very interesting because the things that I think everybody was looking for and wanting, we really have not gotten any of them. You know, the only the only child of uh, Han Solo and Princess Leia is Ben. Ken- ben. Yeah, exactly. Who has gone to the dark side? We- you know, 
and we haven't seen the other children yet either. Yeah. But um, it's hard to say. Maybe something will happen, but really we don't know. Yeah. No, and just... Oh my god, I just... I, I, I really did like this movie, despite its problems, because we actually got a cheat. And then the... What's your thought? What's your thought? Go, go and talk. I've the, talked too much. The last... <laughs> The last fane, it's all right. The last fane people complain about the most is, what's the one fane you think of when you think of old school Sith Lords? Darth Revan, Darth Malak, Vader, Maul, all these other Sith Lords that are fighters, right? They're able to take on armies. Another fane I hear people complain about with Kylo is the fact that he got bested so easily. But, I mean, he did kind of take a blaster bolt to the hip. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people miss that part. Like, I, I understand the criticism of, okay, you got your butt schooled by a girl who's never even picked up a lightsaber. Picked up a lightsaber. Yeah, and it's like, well, hold on a second here. Number one, he basically killed Finn. Like, yeah. I know he, I know he lived and he comes wounded back. wounded him. Exactly. If it wasn't for great space age medical technology, he would at very least not be able to walk. At the very least, that was brutal. I actually thought for a while there that he was not going to survive the the rest of the movie. That was the one time that I thought the mortality was going to be a factor for a character I wasn't sure on. And ironically, it was the character that we all thought was going to be the lead. And I mean, he was doing pretty well against Ben for a while. He was doing all right. I mean, he had basic training, but... Kylo, I'm sure, was being trained at a young age for saber combat. Yeah, yeah we finally got a little but bit also, more information on that in the new movie, thankfully. But True. But also, people say there's no way Rey should have been able to best him, but people forget Rey was on a junk planet with no blaster. Mm-hmm. She had to learn how to fight using what she could find, so she knew how to use a quarterstaff. Yeah. And if you watch those movies back again, she's struggling with that weapon. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. She's trying not to hack herself apart with it. Yeah. No, she's not very confident in it, but something that I think you could make the argument with when it came to even Luke in a lot of respects, mm-hmm. some of the best moments that we saw with him weren't when he was protecting himself. It was when he was fighting for someone else. Uh, this is right. something that another friend went and pointed out to me and I'll admit, it got me kind of thinking, as what got me to watch back the original trilogy again, there were certain moments where Luke did things that he didn't do in any other points of the movies. Two big ones that really stick out in my head, because they were pretty influential scenes, uh, either to go and set up what kind of a position they were in, or where things were going. Uh, Luke, when he was uh, frozen inside of the cave... What the heck was that noise? Oh, never mind. That was just my connection. Oh, okay, We're good. Okay. <laughs> it's like, whoa, wait a minute. Something weird happened there. Uh, anyway. Hey, so Luke, when he was frozen inside of the cave with the... What, what the heck was that Yeti thing? Oh, well, uh, Wamp- oh you're quizzing yeah, me on it- this now. <laughs> Wampa. Wampa, that's it. Okay. Hey, so we've never really seen Luke in the movies go and really dismember anybody. Yeah, well, at least not visually. No. He chopped off that thing's freaking arm because he was going and saving his buddy. You know, going and cutting yeah. open the Tauntaun and whatnot. Uh, really, 
important scenes to go and establish the kind of position that the Rebel Alliance was in in Empire Strikes Back or in Return of the Jedi uh, when Vader's going and trying to go and coax him out of the shadows to fight him and he goes and brings up Leia. Oh yes, he brought up his sister. Exactly. And the way that Luke goes and comes in and strikes him, which was what ultimately leads him to go and realize that Uh, Vader also had his arm chopped off and that the two of them were more alike and that clearly there was something that drove him to the dark side uh, and could very easily draw him in the same way. It's in moments of adversity that it seems like the Jedi really do come into their own. And I think that she would have failed to go and best Kylo Ren if it was just them. But, but she was fighting for Finn. Exactly. Because at that point, really, she had almost basically been defeated at that point before they even started fighting. You know, Finn True. stood up because she really couldn't in that situation. She didn't have a means to fight yeah. against him. And he had the lightsaber, so he was the one that was going to take him yeah. on. And she was afraid of the lightsaber. Remember that from when she was in... Uh... Oh, God, what, what the heck's her name? Maz... Uh cantina where she saw those visions yeah exactly she was afraid of the lightsaber at that point it's kind of a and it makes yeah it's a weird thing to think about but there is this parallel and it might be a total coincidence but i think that there's something to be said for when you have a moment like that that stands by itself when you look you look back at a lot of like star wars lore whether it's in the books or in the uh Movies, for example, you see Jedi at risk limb and life to save people near to friends to him or anything like yeah. that, even random people. I mean, Luke, uh, back in Cloud City, left his training early knowing it was a trap to save his mm-hmm. friends. No, exactly. No, and it's... Because the Jedis are supposed to be peacekeepers, are supposed to be keepers of the peace. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, not to be remembered as steward warriors and conquerors. Yeah. Because such fans lead you down the path of the dark side. Yeah, it's just... Oh, there's so much to talk about. But yeah, that's that was definitely a criticism. And one that... I'll just say it. I think that those criticisms, while still there, I think are made completely moot in the follow-up. Because in The oh, Last yes. Jedi, all the things I would criticize from the first movie... They, okay, I'm going to go and have an Avengers 2 moment here. I'm sorry. (laughs) Avengers Assemble. Yeah, I just, I got to do this. I got to do this. If for no other reason, then it's another Disney property now. And the reality is that was an example of a follow-up, a sequel that did everything wrong in addressing its criticisms. Mm -hmm. Because everything that I criticized about the first Avengers... We went and had Joss Whedon go out of his way to go and address them and overcompensate. The fact that, that is Bruce true. Banner, Black Widow, Hawkeye, all of these characters, none of them were really well defined in the first Avengers movie. You know, even the Hulk not was really, not I really mean, well defined. And the whole that's a sad part because really 
a lot of those characters just were like, oh yeah, we're here now, we're going to fight. Yeah, that's just it. I mean, the best thing that Mark Ruffalo said as that role, her in that role in the first movie was, you know what my secret is? I'm always angry. It's like, okay, yep. that's a really quotable line, but watching it back, how dumb of a moment was that? Oh my God, that just comes out of nowhere. You've just decided to trust this guy who almost single-handedly yep. took down the helicarrier by himself. You're bringing him into this and situation. Well, and to go and fight an enemy force that had not even shown itself when they first assembled to go and deal with the situation. This is like, oh, so you're just going to let the big green thing out and could go and kill potentially everybody in the entire city or possibly turn on the rest of them. Yeah. So now they went and came up with a foil for the Hulk and his angry attitudes with the lullaby and all that stuff. And this weird relationship, quote unquote, with Black Widow that just didn't work. That was really awkward. I will go and say what they did with Hawkeye was really good and I think actually helped out with him. But Mm -hmm. dang, guys, this was not good. Um, This movie, on the other hand, went and addressed, number one, how Ray was able to go and beat him. There is something different about her. Mm-hmm. There is definitely something different about her that, and this is not really a spoiler, but there is so much more to know about her than what we got in this movie. I think the next one is going to blow up everything. The, the next, her, yeah, the next one is going to be, I, I think, think, her story. I think whatever she was told or what she thinks is a lie, and I think what we think isn't even close. But there's so many ideas about her that is just, it's just mind-boggling what we could do what could happen that's just it this movie i and there's a little criticism in this as well and i think we'll talk about this a little bit in a minute because i think we're going to get to spoilers here pretty quick because it's kind of hard to address a lot of these things without talking about specific events you can only go for so that's just it and (laughs) in the case of ray and this is an honest to god uh Statement here because I loved her in this movie. Not all of the writing for her was great this time around. Like mm-hmm. her dialogue was much more poignant in uh, The Force Awakens than what it was in this movie. But I'll also say that from a narrative perspective, I think there was actually something smart about that because they were setting up more of the world and how she fits into it in a way that hasn't been fully developed yet. And I think yes. that that's an okay thing in the context of clearly they're building her up uh, in the course of this movie, which once again, I really liked. And we got a feeling for how she was able to defeat Kylo Ren in the first film. Cause there is something different about her. So that was a big criticism. Give me another criticism from the first movie, Mr. Mega McHugh. Another criticism was about Captain Plasma for crying out. Okay, that one. No, no, we'll talk about this in spoilers. Let's just not even talk about that right now. (laughs) Okay, okay. But we can all agree Captain Plasma was blown way out of proportion. Oh my god. The promotion around Captain Plasma for the first movie. I thought that this was going to be a character that was a big deal. You got the chick from Game of Thrones. Everyone was... It's like everyone's acting like she's going to be the next Boba Fett. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, she looks so awesome. 
what is she gonna do? And then she just gets thrown in the dumpster. Yeah, exactly. A it's random like, stormtrooper was cooler than her. Oh my god. Seriously, what happened to that stormtrooper? Can we get him back? I really liked him. Can we get him back? Please? Yeah, it's like, it's interesting. <laughs> but from what I heard, I'm not sure if this is true or not, but I heard in that scene with the shock stick, that was originally supposed to be plasma. You see, I could believe that that was supposed to be Phasma originally, and I don't know why they went in a different direction with it. I, It could be all kinds of issues. I, I mean, it could be the costume or the armor. I mean, that's why a lot of scenes got cut out of the original Star Wars. Because mm-hmm. they had issues with, like, Boba Fett's armor or stuff like that. If you watch Star Wars, you see them actually how much they modded Vader's uh, suit throughout the entire movie. Yeah. No, it's... There's... There's a lot to talk about when it comes to that stuff. We we might need to go and do a behind-the-scenes breakdown of that franchise some other time. But, uh, yeah, no, Phasma's... Oh, God, Phasma. Phasma, Phasma, Phasma. It's like... It was, it's like she essentially just existed to let them into the base. That's about yeah. me. No, but uh, other criticisms, you know, uh, Kylo Ren going and being this emotionally unstable... I don't even know what the hell you want to go and call him. You know, could he be a hero? Is he a villain? What's his real motivation and all that stuff? We didn't really get that in uh, The Force Awakens. We did, I think, get that pretty solidly throughout the course of this entire movie. Yeah, it's. I loved the movie. It had good character development. Like, one thing I very enjoyed was uh, how they did Finn. Mm-hmm. Like, Finn was just this random stormtrooper that wanted an out. And so he grabs his only out there, which was a rogue, was a rebellion fighter pilot. Yeah. And I also love the bromance between the two of those oh guys. My they're God. best friends. <laughs> they're, they're bros. They're bros. I, I, oh my God. There's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of female fans that are going to hate me for saying this. There already are. Oh, I know. I know. It's like, you know what? I, I totally get it. Especially in the first movie. Yeah. <laughs> I totally get how people could go and see John Boyega and Oscar Isaac as their characters being gay for each other. I I just this movie I know that John Boyega said something and I think I think that him and Oscar Isaac are messing with the internet. Oh but <laughs> I'm they are messing with oh the internet. Oh my god, because I remember after the Force <laughs> the Force Awakens comes out, and I remember Oscar Isaac going and messing. I really hope his name is Oscar Isaac. I'm pretty sure that's it. Um, <laughs> uh, let's yeah, see. You, you go and check on that. But I remember Oscar Isaac. Yeah, I remember him going and publishing something to the extent of. He basically went and broke. I, God, I, I really remember the headline more than what he actually said. I might need to look this up. But I remember there being a headline on the MSN homepage that always comes up when I'm at work because it's just the designated homepage for whenever the browser goes. And oh, yeah, up. The, the Twitter feeds, right? Yeah, exactly. He, Oscar Isaac just broke the internet's heart. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't that from, was amazing. Oh my god! And it wasn't even from like some small publication or something like that. I can't remember who the heck it was, but they were just answering Q and As that were people sending him through t- uh, Twitter. Exactly, and he just he said, you know, I'm sorry. 
I'm I'm kind of gay, but Poe just isn't that kind of gay. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I cannot remember exactly what he said to save my life, but oh my god, he said something, and it's just like, nope. I think it was he's kind of gay, but only in my mind. Yes, that's oh it. God. That was it. Yes, Poe is totally gay, yeah, and, but only in my mind. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, and it's like that just blew everything out. Of the exactly, water. and then. I also, a couple of weeks ago, John Boyega, who plays Finn, went and, you know, quote-unquote, teased a gay romance between him and Poe. And it's like... <laughs> I'm sorry. Now, no, now we're see- getting into sort of spoiler territory. I watched this movie and I'm like, nope, there's no way in hell. No, not now. Exactly. Not now. Just, oh my god. And I actually kind of love it. That they're do if they are in fact doing what I think they are, and they're just working together and trolling the internet, you know, talking about on how every time I see Poe talking to me, I just go and see those longing eyes looking at me. <laughs> like, <laughs> now did you see that stuff with the actor for Kylo Ren though? Hmm? Like the undercover boss oh my video he god. did. That was one of the Oh best. my god. Radar technician Matt or whatever it was. Yeah, radar technician Matt. Oh that was that, good. And then there's that like SNL bit. This other Oh my god. And then they were also talking about him in an interview and they're all like, So how does it how does it feel to be the fan to be the fan of so many young girls out there? He's like, Oh well, I'm really enjoying being a Disney prince. <laughs> Just, I mean, he's having so much fun with it. It's amazing. I gotta say, I didn't really like his portrayal as Kylo Ren in The Force Awakens. Um, For all the reasons that we talked about. You know, I blame more directorial and uh, script writing issues for some of the reasons why I wasn't a huge fan of that character. But I've always liked him, Adam Driver. I, I really do actually like the new people they brought into the cast. I feel like the casting really has worked out well. For our, everybody from Poe to Ray to Kylo Ren to, and this one really surprised me, because um, he didn't really promote her almost at all. I, I This is going to sound really bad. Um, the only thing that I had heard of the character Rose before going into this movie was a movie surfer's interview from when I was going and watching uh, an episode of DuckTales, the reboot on Disney XD. Just yeah. one of the commercials in between was the old movie service thing that I didn't even know they still did. And they were going interviewing her in this character. And so, like, this is kind of interesting. Why why are they talking about this character? And I just assumed, okay, this must just be something they're going and doing maybe for diversity's sake or something like that. Because, um, you know, she's Asian. <laughs> and <there's, laughs> I, I hate to be that guy, but, I mean, there is, like, this diversity quota now in movies and while I don't think it's a yeah. bad thing necessarily, I'm also seeing a lot of stuff that just seems to be pandering. Like, anybody who owns the live-action Beauty and the Beast movie on Blu-ray, like, all the special features are about the women that went and helped to develop this movie. And it's like... if that's, the big deal they made about LeFou. Yeah, yeah, LeFou. Yeah, it's like, okay, these things by themselves are not a problem, but it's like, why are you promoting that and i just find it so weird because they're going and promoting the woman's side of things on beauty and the beast that had a male director and then you have wonder woman that came out where the internet is making a big deal about patty jenkins going and being you know a female director and going and being the highest grossing film ever for a female director and being one of the highest grossing movies of all times in the top 100 and it's got a female director it's like 
that's getting praised by itself. And on the DVD, there's like nothing that <laughs> brings that up in all the special no. features. So it's like, it, it just feels like there's this uh, edict that there needs to go and be all these points of diversity when it's like, if you just do it naturally, you will go and be appraised for it. And I that thought that true. that was going to be the case with Rose. And quite honestly, I can say after watching the movie, nope. This was not just a character they introduced, you know, just to go and fill some sort of a quota. It was not a character they went and just wrote in haphazardly just to go and, you know, check off this little box here and go and make some special interest group feel good. Rose may have been the most interesting new addition to the movie that her uh, to this particular movie. And there were a lot of new characters they introduced this time around. Oh yeah. Rose She was a good one. Yeah, though. Rose is one I actually was concerned about all the way to the end of the movie. I was yeah, very was... happy with what they did with her. And it was something that I didn't feel that way really about pretty much anybody outside of Finn in The Force Awakens. That is true. Yeah, it's just kind of a weird situation to be in. Um, But with that, why don't we get into the spoiler territory. Before we go there, uh, John, where would you put this in your ranking of Star Wars films? And oh. just go and tell us, you know, how much did you enjoy it? And how many times do you plan to go back and watch it? <laughs> the Last Jedi? Yeah. Hopefully a few more before it's out of feeders, because I... There are some pretty cool Easter eggs when you go watching it back and stuff that a few Star Wars fans will notice. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, cool watching that stuff again. But the story was actually really good and it actually made you concerned about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if that's all you got to say, I'll, I'll be honest here. I uh, pretty much agree. I, I said that it's the best Star Wars movie since Empire. I'm not sure it's quite as good as Empire as a whole. But, you know, it's just... Mm. It outranked... I mean... Yeah. <laughs> it's good in its own right, and it fixed a lot of issues with some minor, like, characters and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, that's just it. For me, I, I would go and put this firmly at, like, a third best Star Wars movie. Cause, oh, yeah, easily. Maybe third or second. Yeah, that's just it. I kind of find myself doing that weird teetering thing, because I would still say... And I, I base this on objective standards in filmmaking... Not so much off of, did I like it more? Because I'll actually say this, and this might surprise right. people. I actually like this movie more than Empire. Like, right. I recognize that The Empire Strikes Back is the best Star Wars movie from an objective perspective. When we're going and looking at the acting, the writing, the surprises, the cinematography. I still think that it is the best Star Wars movie that's come out. But I've always liked... A New Hope more. That has always been uh, my favorite. That's yeah, that's just it. That has always been my favorite Star Wars movie. Uh, so on my personal ranking, I have to go and, you know, put it at number two. Because A New Hope, I just don't know how you go and surpass that because it was something so new, so visionary. And I think for anybody who started watching the franchise with that, just because of nostalgia glasses alone, it's going to be the top spot for most people. Oh, but... Yeah. Empire is definitely, I think, number one from a production standpoint. Uh, Return of the Jedi was a good one, I really too. enjoyed Return of the Jedi as well. That's, that is firmly at number four for me. 
out of the entire thing. And I know a lot of people criticize things like the Ewoks, but as a whole, it was a great send-off to the original story. And for a long time, personal opinion to the franchise, uh, I think it was a great ending. Despite the little issues on there, it was good. It just didn't quite match up to the technical mastery that the two other ones had. So I had to put it a little bit lower on the list. But still, when you're at that level, how can you criticize? It's just... It's good. It's just good. It was good. Yeah, that's just it. Hit. So, yeah, for me, The Last Jedi is number three overall. I'm going to go and put it there. Um, I think it's the best shot one that they've ever had. And if it wasn't for a couple of little things I'd criticize, I think I would put it above Empire. Like I said, I actually enjoyed watching it more than Empire just because... Pacing-wise, this was the most on-point Star Wars movie I think that's come out. Oh, I yes. don't think there was a I low. I say that's true. My bladder nearly gave out because I refused to leave the theater because I was worried about something happening. And anybody that has ever gone to a movie with me knows that I have the smallest bladder on the planet. It is the size of a walnut. Catheters, man. That's why you use catheters. Yeah, I'm sorry. I know you can do that. I just, I can't. I just, I just can't. I can't. So, we're going into spoilers. Yes, on that note, thank you very much, everybody, for going and listening. If you're going to leave before the spoilers, make sure to go and check us out on iTunes, on Google Play, on SoundCloud. Email us, SakuraRangersPodcast at gmail.com, Twitter, at SakuraRangers. Let us know what you think. Give us some feedback. We are going to take a brief couple of weeks break here just for the holidays. We will be back in January with a new fully produced her uh, new fully produced audio project. We hope that you guys will enjoy that. And we'll be going coming back with more of us and more of guests like this guy over here. I- I'm pointing in the direction of the Mega McHugh in case you can't tell. Hi, what's up? Yeah, yeah, I'm right yeah, here. Yeah, he's... He's he's flipping me the bird right now. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. Bye, everybody that isn't going to listen to the spoilers. Now then, let's get talking, shall we? (laughs) (laughs) So, right off the bat. Right off the bat, crap's hitting the fan, and it does not look good for anybody. Oh, my God! And, like, that scene, it's like, that scene, the lone fighter, I'm like, Poe, what the heck do you think you're doing? Oh my and then God. he just flies in there and he's blowing up the artillery cannon so that they can't, and the, the dreadnought can't take him out because he's too close. Oh my God. He's going told to fall back and then the bombers show up and the bombers bomb the uh, dreadnought, but so many people died. You're like, crap. Yeah, no, it doesn't feel like a good victory, but oh my God, just from the title crawl and reading what's in there, I'm like, well, wait a minute, the Resistance base has been compromised and they're having to evacuate? Okay, okay, this is going to be interesting. It's like, okay, we see them evacuate. Holy shit, the Empire's already there. Okay, there is no lead up to this. And, you know, I'm thinking... And they got the big, huge ships. Yeah, that's just it. You know, we see the Star Destroyers coming in and I'm like, okay, this... Right off the yeah, bat. Yeah, this could be interesting. Okay, you got my attention, so we're probably going to have like 20 minutes of them going and giving the plan. No, no, that is the last one that's going and leaving, and there is artillery coming down on the planet. Holy shit! It's like... Yeah, they are they are not messing around. Yeah, that's just it. Oh, jeez. They are they are going to go and see that transport ship. Are they, are they going to get wiped out? Like, are we going to find out that, you know, there's, you know, a couple that went and took the leadership and all that stuff, and they're out... You know, somewhere in space, and the rest of them are just going to get blown away. And then Poe shows up. 
and Poe just pulls that like move. Oh like my he, god! That like sharp turn he makes with the X-wing. Oh, that was and flies around the TIE Fighters. That, that was really cool. I loved the way that they used BB-8 because the whole astromech oh, concept, yes. it's been cool, but what have they really done? It's always been stuff behind the scenes. This time around, we got to actually see what BB-8 was doing. <laughs> to go we got to see what more. an astromech actually has to go through in order to keep on the Saints of Oh, apart. my God. That, uh, <sighs> yeah, astromechs. Uh, they're your best partners. Don't let them get blown up in a star battle. Oh my god, just... What? And I gotta say, criticism with this movie. Most of the jokes do not land. Hughes, I like Hughes. I like the jokes with Hughes, though. I, those, those worked. Is Hughes there? Yeah. <laughs> uh, pasty guy, tall, uh, starts with an H. Yeah. Hughes? Can he hear me? Yes, he can hear you. That... I think he's stalling, sir. Yeah, that that goddamn moment. That poor Hughes. It's like he's no Grand Moff Tarkin, but uh, you can tell he wants to be the commander, the high commander. He's doing what he can, but he's letting a lot of his ego get in the way of things. Yeah, and it's a constant factor in the movie. And I just love it. And I love... So I I might be a weird one. Maybe it's because I am. <laughs> I'll be polite and go and say that I am as straight as a fully compressed uh, nanocarbon diamond rod or whatever the hell it is, the strongest material on the planet. I, okay. I am Let's I am absolutely it. straight. So I have never really understood the fascination with Poe from uh, The Force Awakens. Because while he was a cool character, I can't say we ever really got enough of his personality to really feel anything. It's like, I feel the bromance. Like, the two of you right, play well off of his, each other. I get that. I like him for that reason. His but I never really got to feel his personality all the way through. This time around, right from the get-go, I saw... So much personality. Oh, yes. He was hot-headed. He did not think before he acts. Yeah. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't. <laughs> True. But it's, I love the way how he, like, will banter and stuff. Oh, God. Yeah. No, they, they did a great job of writing his dialogue. This is one of those things where this is an improvement done the right way versus the first film. Because, my God, the way that he was messing with that damn admiral... Yeah, that was oh amazing. Oh my god, that that was great. Hughes, is he here? That, oh, that action scene that came along with it, just everything about the guy just worked. And that whole bombing run and seeing Rose's sister and not really knowing what the whole relation and all that is. That was sad. That was. Like, this is a character... The moment of desperation. Yeah, I don't even know this character's name. You know, the pilot of the bomber has been killed. And, you know, she's trying to just go and offload this stuff to take down the juggernaut so the other guys can get away. Yeah, and it's... She... She... Throws the switch. She knows she's going. She knows she's going to die. And she just takes it. Yeah, there's no coming back. No, it's a one-way trip. Like, those bombers, they were slower than the Y-Wings. Yeah. No, that's just it. Also, seriously, guys, I... 
I can't imagine the first order took over like overnight. You're gonna tell me you didn't go and have any new resources? Like this is what you had to come up well, with? They have, no, no old wild. Well, they have the, come on. They had the Mark II X-wing fighters, and it looked like a newer version of the A-wing fighters. Yeah. No, it's just, you gotta remember though, the Y wings were considered obsolete. Oh, I know they were obsolete before the first movie ever happened, according to the canon, and even the old canon recognized yeah. it that way. So that tells you something. It's just, oh yeah, those. Although they carried a lot more munitions. You know? Oh yes, and that actually was kind of cool getting to see you know a new kind of explosive in that universe because. Yeah, the payload drop was pretty yeah. cool. Idea. It was actually a really well visually, or that was a great visual element as well. Uh, one thing I'll give this movie great credit for that I would sort of criticize a little bit with uh, The Force Awakens. The visual design elements this time around for new assets was really well thought out. Uh, whether it go and be the uh, hangers and the loading platforms inside oh, of yes. uh, Snoke's uh, ship. Going and talking about the transports. Uh, the mine at the end of the movie. The work they did with... All those little things. Yeah, all, all the work they did with the visual elements was really well put together this time around. Even, and I know I've heard some people criticizing this a little bit, and I'm it's something I'm willing to forgive as a whole because I actually think it does work ultimately without how everything ended and the shape that it ended up in. But Snoke's little throne room or whatever you want to call it you know with the big red walls mm-hmm. and it's had some clear windows that showed over to the actual hangar as a base and all that there was some really good thought put into it despite you know some okay maybe i wasn't as into this part as aesthetically as i was the rest it felt consistent with the rest of the design and i really liked yeah that. better than the whole hologram room yeah no that. Can we just say, though, Stroke dresses very sharply? I, I gotta be honest. I mean, he looks like ass. I didn't think that they did a great job with the CGI for his face. But damn it, if I do not want those golden robes. Oh, yes, the robes. But that was interesting. Like, I like the fact right after the Admiral does his first screw up. He's like, uh, Supreme High Commander Stroke is com- is calling you. And he's like, I will take it personally in my chamber. He walks away and all of a sudden the hologram's in front of oh, him. Oh, that was... And, he's, and he goes, oh, uh, hello, sir. And he gets thrown to the ground, dragged, and then thrown back up. And it's like, Stroke is powerful, and he's mad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I did think, actually, and maybe we need to talk about the Snoke in the room. Maybe it's time. The Snoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are we sure we want to talk about I, this? I think we do, because, and you, I got a feeling, John, you will be on the exact opposite side of this as me. <laughs> okay, let's hear it. When it comes to Snoke, I know one of the biggest criticisms of this movie right now is, what, that's all we got? We didn't get some big, elaborate backstory? Who was this guy? We've been trying to figure out for the last two years on who this person was. All the theories as to who this guy could be. Is he a survived Grand Ma Tarkin that was secretly training himself in the ways of the Force? And, Mm. you know, there were all these different theories that were out there. And then, oh... Yeah, we saw this giant hologram in the last one where he looked like he was 30 feet tall, like he was a giant force wielder, possibly something ancient, Mm -hmm. something interesting. Then you go and see uh, his hologram inside of that ship going and throwing around the Admiral. 
And it's like, oh, that, that they, giant head. Okay, this guy's a giant. And then... But nope. Yeah, then you see Kylo Ren in the same room as him. And the guy's not tall. Stroke is not a very big individual. No, I mean, it... Granted, we never saw him fully extending himself, but I would care to venture that he was in the six, maybe as much as seven foot tall area. Tall, but not huge. No, he wasn't big. And he, whenever he was doing anything, it was obvious he was uh, favoring his right side. Yeah, no, he clearly was not in good shape. No, he was... Something happened that injured yeah. him, that's for sure. I, I get the feeling that we're going to find out more about who he really is in future side stories. I think that there is a plan for him, but... Yeah, I I know a lot of people were upset about him because they didn't get more out of it. And I'm just going to say this. I actually am okay with it. Don't get me wrong. It would have been cool to see more, but in some respects... I think that there it were, doesn't really well, matter. Well, here's the thing. I think that there were too many distracting elements. This going into the mystery box comment before. What's in the box? It's a mystery box. JJ put a lot of effort in. And we know that Snoke was part of his creative team in what they designed mm-hmm. in this new Sith Lord that went and brought Kylo Ren in. But I'll be honest. I don't think that he was anything more than a MacGuffin. I, re- I think really... Yeah, it's like the whole focus was to be on Kylo Ren, and I think they executed that perfectly. Yeah, no, they... Eventually we knew that the young Sith would kill his master and go and rise to the top. Yep, because that's how it works. Exactly. And I think that if they were trying to go and do this as more of an Avengers-style property, where it wasn't set to a finite trilogy they probably could go and make this work better and go and stretch things out longer. And then theories like, and I don't know if you've seen these, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if you skipped them for fear of spoilers, but uh, MatPat over a game slash film theory has come up with some really interesting Star Wars uh, theories for what the movies could have in them. Uh, yep. <laughs> and uh, if... I'm not going to go and waste time here, but I'm going to say this. I do believe that his Rogue One theory was originally correct. But those last minute reshoots that they did that supposedly changed the story. uh, As well as contrasting with the original trailer for Rogue One. I am 100% convinced that he was right before the rewrites of the film happened. I am 100% convinced on that. But his theories for this movie were both, because he had two of them, both of them were completely wrong. And I think the reason why is that he was thinking about things from a Marvel perspective. Not from a Star Wars perspective. Exactly, because we knew this was going to be a trilogy. And uh, what's her name? Daisy Ridley, the one who plays Rey. uh, She said that she is done after episode nine. And whether or not she really is completely done after episode 9, I think, has yet to be seen. But I think that the creative team is really focusing right now on going and doing a new trilogy and then side stories. I think the reason... Which is a good idea because Rogue One was really successful. It was. And it was something that people were looking forward to and people were really 
into. I was really happy with how that one turned out. Flaws aside, because it's not a perfect film, I think it is one of the best Star Wars movies that's come out. I actually applaud it on a lot of technical levels that even the original ones, I would not compliment them on. So Here's an interesting thing I thought about with Stroke, yeah, though, because yeah. I've been thinking on this a while back, because uh, they said Ben Ben Solo left with uh, a few students and killed the rest, so where did the other students go? Well, and I think that's kind of the question, and this is part of the reason why I think... This is part of the reason why I think that Matt Pat's theory is correct, and God, I cannot believe we're going here, but... There was big emphasis made in the new Art of Star Wars book that came out a couple of years ago, uh, right after The Force Awakens, and they were pointing out the Knights of Ren and their importance and all that, and we haven't actually seen them on film. No, we saw that one scene for the flashback, which is a bunch of shadowy figures standing by Kylo. Yeah, exactly. So we haven't actually seen the Knights of Ren. And I think that's kind of interesting that they haven't shown themselves at this point. And the reason why I think that Rogue One, the whole theory behind it was that these main title characters in there were kidnapped, brainwashed, and turned into the Knights of Ren over the course of, you know, the last 20 to 30 years. Which actually could potentially work inside of this universe. Like, I 100% see it being able to work. And, and people talk about the Knights of Ren. Uh-huh. You, they don't have to be Force-sensitive. Yeah, that's just it. And I think more likely they pe- aren't entirely. Because, I mean, this is kind of a little side-going yeah. thing here, but when you take to the... Uh, after they do the deed with Stroke and his Royal Guards activate, mm-hmm. they're obviously not Force-sensitive. No, most definitely not. But the way they're able to dispatch and take on Force-sensitive is actually quite impressive and not anything new to Star Wars. Mm -hmm. So if you're trained enough, if you're skilled enough, you can go toe-to-toe with a Jedi. Exactly. So, yeah, it's just one of those things that I... Because we're getting a little bit off subject here, but I'll be honest, I don't think that Snoke not having a lot of importance overall to the active events in episode eight really matters. You know, his whole story is something that happened before episode seven ever started. It's not what's important. Exactly. It's Kyle. It's the story of really three sides. It is the story of Ben Kenobi. It is the story of the resistance, which is, you know, Ray Finn, Poe, Princess Leia, and the rest of the group. And then you have, which, you know, (laughs) if you've seen the movie, uh, you know, Luke Skywalker is in a very different position. And I'll be honest, I think that his importance is still going to be a very big factor in Episode Nine, despite him... I don't think he's gone. not, Not gone, gone. I see him going and being... What Yoda was, what Yoda was in Episode Nine, or the influence that was Obi Wan Kenobi throughout the course of, uh, particularly Episodes uh, Four and Five, because even after he was gone, he was that you know whisper in the ear of Luke. He was the moral compass. That is true. Yoda was really the teacher. Ben was the moral compass. And for all we know, Stroke could still be alive. 
I, possibly. I, I do think that they have eliminated him. I think that he is truly dead this time around. But mm-hmm. I think that's more to go and set up Kylo Ren. You know, you know now beyond Ben Kenobi. Now he is... You know, Kylo well, Ren. Well, that's just it. He sees himself as being beyond the light side and the dark side now. He wants to erase that and like start over anew. Exactly, which is a whole different perspective for a villain inside of that universe, at least in the movies anyway. It is interesting because... I mean, he kind of has a good point if you think about it from a dark perspective. Yeah. Getting rid of light and dark, there would be no, there would be balance if you got rid of both Sith and Jedi, but yeah, absolute power corrupts absolutely. But that scene where where Ben and uh, Ray are actually taking on those knights and they succeed, yeah. and that's when Kylo hits that point again and says, we can rebuild this galaxy anew. Yeah. And then there's this struggle of good and evil in that room, and the focus is on the Anakin Skywalker lightsaber. Yeah. Which is a, was a very poetic scene, because the saber gets broken in two. Because Anakin wielded it in light and dark, and then it shatters. Mm-hmm. So then, it's an interesting prospect, because now Stroke is dead, mm-hmm. and the only other person that saw what happened is gone. And so he's now Supreme Commander, mm-hmm. which now means he's going to go deeper and deeper and deeper down this rabbit hole. And who knows if he'll ever crawl back out. No, and that's that is such a cool thing, isn't it, though? It's so amazing. And then they're all in the base and there's this hopelessness of mm-hmm. it. Just this hopelessness when they're in those little skiers, those little skis or whatever. Yeah. It's just how do we how do we what do we do? We can't stop it. Yeah, no. And the worst part about that scene was they sent out the uh, distress call. Yeah, no, and the fact that God nobody came or couldn't come. Yeah, because hope is never truly gone. That's yeah. the one thing to keep in mind. No, that's just it. I and I. One thing I will say, though, I feel like the movie could have been short. In some respects, I think you're right. Um, Though I will go and say, pacing-wise, I didn't really feel like there was a lull anywhere in the movie. I will go and say there were elements of it, particularly involving uh, the casino planet. That was really... I didn't understand why that had to be in there. Honestly, because of what all came... Uh, came along with that and the implications of uh, oh god what, what what is his name? Valicio Del Toro or something like that? Guillermo yeah, Toro. Okay. Hey, so he, the implications of his character and what ended up happening with it, it's like why were you even here? <laughs> well it, it was to prove the point that like these people were profiting off of what the rebels and the first order we're doing i guess yeah which just i don't know it seems like a really which weird, was somewhat yeah it was kind of point it was kind of a weird narrative just to go and shove in because <laughs> I mean, it just True. felt like something that got added last minute you know one thing i did enjoy were like the little aesthetics like i liked how the fact how uh when they came in and kylo first came into the throne room at the beginning of the movie he still had that stupid mask on 
Oh, I'm calling him out on it. That was great. Yeah, Stroke, Stroke flat out says, take that thing off your face. Yeah. And he takes it off. Exactly. There's no reason for him to wear it anymore. Yeah. No, that's just it. You know, I thought you could be the next Vader. It's like, nope. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, there's so many interesting things about that. Yeah. And it was just beautiful. Yeah, no, I... Although I... Mm-hmm. I enjoyed seeing Luke in such a dark place, though. Luke stole the damn movie. <laughs> just that scene where he's like, and yeah, everyone loves the progs. Let's just get that out there. Progs oh my god, the porg. I Can I just say the one porg. thing about the porg? Because I know there's a lot of porg hate going around. You know, it's something they just What's made here? for toys, which I'm not going to lie. I do think that that's part of it. But... Do you realize where they were shooting that there were constantly penguins just going and photobombing the sets? Yes. <laughs> that, it was funny, like, especially that one scene where one just walks straight through and, and Luke and Mark Hamill just smiles about it. Oh, God. Yeah, like, I just cannot say anything other than, okay, this actually worked for me. <laughs> But yeah, especially that scene with uh, with Chewie eating. One oh of them. my god, <laughs> that was so sad. And they're just all giving the doe eyes about it. Yeah. But uh, I also liked how he was convinced at this point that the Jedi were had to disappear. Like he was convinced on it, and the whole points of their teachings were to prove that. Yeah. And and Ray was not going to give up. She was persistent. No, she really was. And it was so interesting, especially with um, some of her commentary, because, you know, he begrudgingly starts to go and teach her the three lessons. Yeah. And her making the comment about how he's no longer connected to the Force. He chose Yeah, exactly. That's, what a weird thing to be in, because we all assume that he had... You know, found some source of knowledge that made him believe that the Jedi should no longer exist because of some reason that we don't understand. But the truth about it is even worse. Yeah. Because he, back to my point though, Jedi are, they're human too. And he was struggling when he was, he thought he could train Kylo and he saw something in Ben that truly frightened him. And in a moment of weakness, he turned on his lightsaber. Yeah. And that set everything in motion. Exactly. It's not like what Ben Kenobi did. I mean, it could be close, but Ben Kenobi never considered killing killing his uh, apprentice. But I think that's also part of the reason why it was discouraged for family members to be Jedi. Yeah. As bad as that sounds. No, I think you're right. But what greater like tragedy to carry with you, the fact that you were... What's worse, the fact that you were thinking you were going to kill your nephew or the fact that you were probably the reason why he went down this path. Yeah. It's a great burden to carry, and I can understand why he would have turned himself off from the Force. Yeah, no, I I really thought that the Luke Skywalker direction this time around was... I'll be blunt, I think it actually was pretty inspired because it wasn't what at least I was expecting. It wasn't what I was expecting either. Yeah. But um, 
Can I just say I loved it when Chewie just breaks his door down? Oh, God. Because <laughs> Chewie was mad at that Chewie, point. what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> just, what? And it, What? I also love that when they're meditating, he's like, okay, now reach out. Yeah. And then he takes a leaf. Yeah. You feel that? I feel it. It's the force. Oh my god, I've never felt anything it? like this before. It's the force. Wow, you're so strong. Whack! Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, you meant mentally. Yes, yeah. mentally. <laughs> <laughs> that was just a fun scene. Oh god, it was. It was really great. He, he, he plays well. He did well with uh, with the actress. For yeah. Me. No, I, I have but also, many great compliments for that. Especially the scene where she uh, she's convinced she can bring Kylo back to light, and maybe she still can. It's hard to say. Yeah, we really don't know. We don't know what's cemented in stone at this point. It's we're really in an unknown spot yeah. where we've never been before. That's just it. Star Wars is different now, but also it's. Can we just, and then it's like where all hope is lost at the end of the movie. You see, uh, you see the shadow of Luke show up. Yeah. Oh my God! What, what a goddamn brilliant scene. And he just walks right out of the bay, and there's there's five Imperial walkers and thousands of troopers all sitting there. And Kylo, the new Supreme Commander, says he want I want every single gun pointed at that man. Yeah. And open fire. No, and like I was, and they go. Oh, I thought he, I thought he was gonna die right there. You see, I, I was convinced he wasn't gonna die, but I was also worried that they were gonna go and just make him completely overpowered. Like, okay, we're just going and ignoring the laws of the Star Wars universe now. Mm-hmm. And we're just gonna go and have him going, you know deflecting giant blaster bolts off of those walkers, or he was just going to come out magically unscathed with no explanation on there. And then there was going he to be... He did, actually, though. Yeah, well, he did, but it's because he wasn't really there. <laughs> no, he wasn't. But I love the scene where he walks out and he brushes off his shoulder and Kylo comes down with his lightsaber. Oh, God, that was great. And he didn't even do a strike on him. He was just parrying and dodging. Yeah, that's just it. The one strike that he got on him was when he let him hit him. And that did nothing because he wasn't Exactly. There. Oh my god. But honestly, the line, the final say that Luke had, though, it was beautiful. Where Kylo was like, everything's lost. Everything, the Jedi will die and the war is over. He's like, everything you just said is wrong. Yeah. He said, the Jedi will survive. This war has just started, and the Resistance will survive. And if you strike me, you could strike me down here, but I'll haunt you for the rest of my life. Yeah. It was just beautiful, the way it was done. Yep. And also with the death of Carrie Fisher, I was really afraid of what was going to happen with Leia. Yeah, well, and I don't know. This is the one place that I feel that... Ah, this is just so weird to go and even talk about. Because she could have just gone off. There was that one scene. And I thought for sure yeah. that's where they were ending her. 
but I was I was pleasantly surprised by that scene. Yeah, no, it was it was very cool seeing her coming in to play with full force powers and getting to see what she has become in all of these years since the original. Because in the books, even, there was always constant mention of her. I mean, heck, she was even trained as a Jedi yeah. at one point. So it was cool without that scene getting... was really well done. It was. It was cool getting to see more of her and what she became, you know, in what we haven't seen. That was really cool. But at the same time, there is a certain awkwardness to her first coming back. True. So, I don't know. Initially, when I was watching it, I thought, this is a mistake. Why are they letting her live? Only but to, it was for a reason. Well, that's just it. Only for her to go, ultimately. And when Luke comes back, and the two meet, mm. that was... It was touching. It was touching, but it was also something more. Mm-hmm. You know, what we were going and looking at in that moment was more than just... It was more than just the re, her, the uh, reuniting of those two elements and commiseration. In some respects, I think it was also defining the passing to a new generation. Because... Ray is the new era of Jedi. That's just it. And, you know, Carrie Fisher, her role as Princess Leia, we'd seen her mortality in that moment already. Yep. We know she can't do any more. And then... The rebels at this point have been exhausted. There's hardly any of them left. That's just it. And then you had Luke come back. And he brings hope. But something else he brought was also, <laughs> this is weird here, because um, we always think about hope and what it meant to the Rebellion, the Resistance, whatever name they're going by now. We never really thought about what it was to the Empire of the First Order. Mm-hmm. And he left Kylo Ren with something terrifying. He did. He left him with fear. Pretty much, I because Kylo was be now... The last Jedi. Because Rey is out there, and here's the thing when it comes to the Jedi, even in, like, books and all that stuff. There has been times where the Jedi were wiped out, but they more always show up. New orders come into existence. Yeah. The Jedi are never truly defeated. They're a force of good that will always come back to challenge the dark. Yeah. There's and in in Ray it will be is going to be one of those fanes and Finn and Rose and Poe, they're going to be the ones helping in these next in the next last movie. Yeah, but uh, I have a feeling more Jedi will show up. I think you're probably right. I think I would not be surprised if Ezra shows up. Yeah, I mean the fact that they made Rebels to be a canon element of this new franchise. 
he be at a proper age to be in there because somebody could finish her training in Fury. But I don't know if you saw it, but mm-hmm. um, in the Millennium Falcon, when um, Finn was grabbing those blankets for Rose, mm-hmm. did you see the books that were actually in the in the container? I did not actually. They were for a brief second. So it was kind of hard to make out, but there was leather bounded books. Mm-hmm. And remember the books that were inside the tree? Yeah. The text of the Jedi. What if those texts got put in there by someone? God, wouldn't that be a weird thought? If not by Luke, what if by Yoda or someone yeah. else? Think about oh, it. Oh, can we talk about the Yoda Force... for a minute? Yes, Yoda. The one surprise nobody saw coming was Yoda in all this glory. It's, and Frank Oz as Yoda. I love that. And then the scene where it's like, Luke was like, I'm burning this tree. And then it just catches on fire. And you just see a deranged, crazy Yoda just shaking his feet saying, miss you, I have, Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> because Yoda loved messing with Luke. Oh, God, yeah. But that was just a touching scene because Yoda said it the best. The greatest fear of a master is eventually the student passes them. Yeah. And it's true with anything. Yeah, I just... Oh, that was such a touching moment. The the first... The Force Awakens had another issue, and it wasn't quite as bad as, like, the Ghostbusters 2016 movie. But it still wasn't good. We had the issue of... They were being too heavy-handed with the Easter eggs. This one was more thoughtful in its approach to the nostalgia. A little subtle, too. Exactly. That That's just it. it. The things that we saw this time around were less references and more touching reminders... Yoda showing up, I don't think anybody would consider that to be an Easter egg, even if it just, you know, oh, he showed up. Up. You know, when we heard the voice of the two actors that played Obi-Wan Kenobi in the previous films in Rey's vision in The Force Awakens, that was an Easter egg. Yoda showing up, it was a reunion in more than just these two spirits speaking again. It was a reunion in the sense that, well, (laughs) to be blunt, it was Luke's return to the Force. It was. This conflict that he was going and having ultimately culminated in Rey leaving and him, you know, deciding, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to end the Jedi Order. I'm going to end this. I'm going to end it all. Yep. And then Yoda going and showing up, and instead of going and saying, Idiot, you have been. Instead, yeah. he goes and lights the thing on fire, and it's just like, You think this is it? And he's like, Those were ancient texts. Yeah. Yeah. It's just books. Page, <laughs> page turners, they were not. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's like the Jedi never truly disappear. They always come back. That's just it. Well, and it's more than it's just that. It's always that sliver of. Of hope. Yeah. For good triumphing over evil. Yeah. 
and it was more than just, oh, this is the way that the Jedi work, and it is all about these traditions and rules and order. No. Yeah, that's what always kills them. And then, in this one, Yoda's just like, who cares? Why did we become all about this? It is true. Yeah. It was great. Yoda coming back was such a great signal to what can be in this new franchise. That is true. Yeah. We just... It's ve- it's very exciting to see because now you got the First Order kind of in shambles yeah. when it comes to its leadership because you got, uh, what's his name, Ren, who's now in charge of uh, the First Order, but you got that, you got uh, the other guy, which is now wants to be in charge, yeah. which should be in charge, obviously, because of the way the leadership plan works. So it's interesting to see what will happen from that perspective. Most definitely. No, I... I can't wait to see. I really can't Same here. It's it's a good time to be a Star Wars fan, and that's for sure. It is. It really is. And as as for uh, the lightsaber being broken, that doesn't mean squat. Because we all know Rey's going to build her own lightsaber. Yeah. Well... Because look at her bow staff. Yeah. No, that that thing I am convinced they decided when they designed that bow staff that it was going to become a lightsaber lightsaber. in some sense. I don't know if it's going to be like a force pike or what they're going to do with it, but that crystal... Force spears are canon to the Star Wars universe. They have existed. They they have, yeah, exactly. But I don't know (laughs) if that's necessarily going to be what it is or if she's going to go and, you know, split the thing in half and go and have, you know, a blade inside of it. I don't know. But it's hard to just say. her going and looking at the lightsaber and then going and looking at her staff uh, when mm-hmm. she was getting ready to leave the planet, it's like, she's already thinking about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, just the fact that the lightsaber... She was more comfortable with the staff. That's just it. The fact that the lightsaber has been, you know, broken and the kyber crystal is exposed, that's just, makes, that just makes it easier. <laughs> Yeah, I know. That's all that means. Because any force, any force sensitive can build a lightsaber. Yeah. And really, I think the lightsaber had to be destroyed. Oh, I think so. Because we're ushering in a new era. We've now gone that, beyond to the Skywalkers. I mean, really think about it. Ben yeah. is the last one. That bloodline is over. Yep, and maybe it's for the best. Who knows? Yeah. It's hard to say what will happen. For all we know, he might come back to the light. He might. Nothing is set in stone yet, and that's what's so beautiful about yeah. this. No, I I don't know what to expect at this point. I just also like the fact that <laughs> that they went to all that effort of making plasma into a threat. Yeah. Oh God. The bow statue you pulls out and fights. Yeah, with. I mean, I I will go and say that fight was pretty cool. Especially for Finn. Like, Finn was in at that point. He was all in. Yeah, no, that's just it. He was fighting for a whole bunch of reasons right there, but one of them was just to get even at that point. Yep. But at the same time, still an underwhelming character. I'm actually kind of hoping at this point that Phasma does come back 
just so they can just go, to get killed. Just so they can make a comment like, "How many times do you need to die?" Yep. It's like, how many times do I need to kick your ass? Yeah. But yeah, it's this is exciting. It is. No, I have. Good. I have great hope for the upcoming movie. <laughs> Cause and for the side stories too, if they go that route. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's so much potential to go into. Um, but yeah, God, we've talked about most of the things that we like, with the exception of Snoke. I. Criticisms, because there's a lot. The one criticism I thought was the rich planet. I think that went on for a little too long. I, I think so as well, because ultimately, if you cut that character out and, you know, just go and take away the whole, you know, hacker thing. What ultimate purpose did it serve? There was really no reason, because regardless, they found out about the escape ships and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, now the only thing I do kind of wonder about is, you know, maybe will that kid, uh, you know, with the Alliance ring now, will that kid end up serving a purpose in maybe a future trilogy or something like that, if they're thinking that far ahead, which I really don't think they are. I don't know. It's hard to say. We really don't know. Somehow they learned that story. Yeah. Somehow they learned that story. The question is, was it through the force or word of mouth? Yeah. But I think in this next movie, Hope is going to spark it. And I think all the good guys are going to come out of the woodwork. I think you're probably right. No, I... Because we've all been wondering, you know, what what was the purpose in Caden, Hera, and Ezra Bridger? Is it just Mm -hmm. to go and give us something more to go and distance ourselves from the prequels or are they really doing something with it? I I know a lot of people were assuming that uh, Snoke was really Ezra Bridger and he had fallen from the dark or fallen to the dark side and uh, you know, yada, 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 got disfigured, all that kind of stuff. It's like, that's, Mm -hmm. that's actually kind of a cool idea. Thankfully, it didn't happen because I would not like that. Um, well, it's interesting because in the extended universe and in the novels, um, Ezra was the one who helped Luke reestablish the Jedi Order. Yeah. So it'd be interesting if they bring him in as like a uh, as a character to like finish Ray's training. It could be interesting, or and you know I don't think we'd see necessarily the rest of the Rebels crew. Because I, I do have the feeling that by the end of this, uh, probably Caden will die. I I have no proof of this. Yeah. It's just an assumption. Yeah, I think he's not going to make it much longer. Yeah. But, you know, ultimately we will see. <laughs> like, like we said, though, nothing is set in stone yet. Exactly. Now, the world has changed. The canon has changed. Which isn't a bad thing. I mean, this is kind of a good thing to a certain spec. No, I, I do think it is. I think that there's a lot of good potential that can come there. And I wouldn't be surprised if, yes, some grand final conflict comes up. And 
the resistance suddenly either has reinforcements come in or quite honestly i would love to go and see you know the fact that luke skywalker has come back yeah because nobody's gonna know that he's you know gone yeah everybody will just know he returned yeah exactly they'll go and hear about that it's just like there's hope there's hope a jedi came back yeah exactly and snoke is dead you know there there's all these things you couldn't relay in that sos but now they just said they needed help exactly but now snoke is dead luke came back Mm-hmm. wouldn't it be great to see all of these outside elements and you know characters like rex i'm sure are long since gone at this point yeah, I don't know on how long uh, guys like Zeb are around, but wouldn't it be cool to go and see a new group of Mandalorians led by uh, Sabine, or to go and see Ezra, you know, going and walking alongside of Finn and Rey as they go and charge out onto a battlefield, it's wielding his own lightsaber? Exactly. He, It'd be perfect yeah, to go and see. Chopper going and operating a tank and going and blowing things up and, you know... Being the tank. Yeah, exactly. Being built into it. Yeah, just... Wouldn't it be cool to see all of these other elements of Star Wars that we have not seen come together before? Even stuff from the older movies, too. Yeah, that's just it. There's... There's so much potential that could come in beyond Easter eggs that could be written in for story elements. I mean, heck, you could probably bring in the Ewoks if you want. Uh, let's not. <laughs> they're not that bad. No, but their movies were. True, their movies were pretty stinking yeah, bad. Yeah, they were pretty stinking bad. No, and bring in the guys that actually went and blew up the Death Star. Bring in those guys? Bring in those guys. You know who I'm talking about. The ones from that short-lived comic series that basically showed that everything that Luke and team did that was impressive actually didn't happen. Wait, are you talking about Phineas and... No! (laughs) (laughs) That would be kind of cool, too. No, don't get me wrong. I want to believe that that's canonical, but unfortunately, I have too many reasons to believe that it is not canonical. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we can hope, though, right? There's a couple fan theories. Oh, my God. Just the, the Phineas and Ferb Star Wars special was pretty awesome. It was beautiful. Well, it didn't do anything to go and, you know... At the beginning of it goes and starts off with the title crawl going saying, Don't worry, it's not canon. <laughs> Don't worry, it's not canon. <laughs> they were that worried about it, they had to put that into the movie. Into the show. Well, it's kind of a great thing because, you know, everybody's just like, oh, God, Disney's going to Disney-fy Star Wars and no one's going to get arms chopped off or anything like that. And the first thing that they but announce nope. is a movie special called Vinny's at first Star Wars. It's like, oh, this can't work out. And they're good. literally just retelling the events of Episode 4 and they just added a couple of other characters in the background. They don't interfere know, was, with anything in the storyline. It was so well done. Exactly. It's like, okay, it's not canon. But damn it, it really could be and it wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> I know. I know what we're doing today. Yeah. Oh my god. I loved it. It was so fun. Ugh. 
But one thing I did mm-hmm. enjoy watching the movie was seeing the way that Kylo Ren fought with the saber. Yeah. Like he did a lot of wide swings, but he would get very angry when he fought. Yeah. Well, it was really cool getting to see these contrasts between the characters and yeah, Kylo and Ray both really being, I'd make the argument extremely inexperienced when it comes to the art of saber combat. Well, they weren't trained. Yeah. Well, maybe Kylo was, but but not well. No, he never finished his training. I think honestly, I think that was on purpose though. Cause I don't think, uh, stroke would have him be properly trained. Yeah, no, I I think that he was weak enough that he didn't want him to be a fully capable successor. Yeah, to interfere with his uh rule, but he was strong enough to take on his enemies. Yeah. Right. But yeah, it was such a great movie. I enjoyed it. I did. And as there's well. a few easter eggs that were very well done and they actually required a bit of effort to find yeah like the one where if you looked if you saw it you could see on the back of luke's mechanical hand the blaster damage that he received all those years ago no fine detail work all the way through i i can't say enough good things about what that team did to make everything feel organic to the original universe. Yeah. It was just all perfect. It was just a good way of doing things. It was. And it makes me excited for the other movies. Yep. Because really they're in a spot that's never happened before because... It's there. There's only a handful of them, and they're like, "What are we? How do we make a rebellion out of this?" Yeah, it just it's just good. Problems aside, yeah. you know, Leia going it and flying back movie. inside of it. Some of the weirdness on the casino planet, though, fun just was largely unnecessary. unnecessary. Phasma. Phasma. Phasma will never go away. Can we just say BB-8 is great? BB-8 is great. I was actually very happy we got to see more of the autonomy of (laughs) BB-8. BB-8 needs uh, his own movie. I think that is a bad idea. I I mean, the droids got their own cartoon. Yep, yeah, they did. And it wasn't (laughs) horrible, but I mean... No, it was actually pretty good. (laughs) But no, no. Let's not give them any ideas. Well, they already got enough ideas. Yeah. Well, they've got plenty of IPs to work off of now, that's for sure. I like the uh, concept of this Death Star class weapons they created. Yeah. Like a portable Death Star laser. Yeah. No, that was... For a battery. That was pretty cool right there. And I really did like the Dreadnought as a whole. Like, that was a really cool piece of hardware that I'm actually kind of surprised... Um, at least, you know, in my case, maybe it existed beforehand, but I never thought of something like that, but it's like, yeah, why go and have something like a Death Star? We could just go and have, you know, this orbital nuclear system. I mean, they've always had the concept of what were called planet destroying weapons. And I mean, they have existed before in various ways, shapes and forms throughout the canon, but, um, 
I mean, a handful of uh, destroyer-class ships could destroy a planet in a matter of hours if they wanted to. Yeah, and then you had this thing, and it's like, oh, hey, have you seen my, uh... My big, huge cannon? Yeah, exactly. It's just, what? And the fact that they had the tech to uh, track people through uh, light speed. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Also... Which is cons- <laughs> considered impossible. Sorry, can I just talk about the moment where everything was completely silent in the movie theater? Including just... Oh, yeah the film or including the people watching it because oh my god when she turned that damn thing around and went and jumped (laughs) to light speed and everything went black and white holy shit i mean that fane moving at light speed ramming into the dreadnought no not not into through (laughs) through the dreadnought and through the Star Destroyers that were behind yeah, it. What? I've never considered using a ship as a weapon like a, at light speed. Well, there's reasons why you wouldn't, because nobody would survive. Yeah, no, that's just it. But it's like, you know, that was one of the things, you know, how do you go and calculate that stuff so that you don't go and die when you go and jump to hyperspace? It's true. And then, hey, we got our answer. Yep. Just plowed right through it. But yeah, that was a cool scene. Everybody went silent. Oh my god, just the crowd. Just... Like I said in the lineup, the intro was... I. Everybody was quiet, but you know, there's always somebody going and saying something, you know, it was it was a good thing. And then that moment happens and it's just like Oh fuck. They could do that? Yeah. They just plowed right through yeah, it. That is that is worse than the Death Star. <laughs> that was pretty gnarly how that happened too. They just plowed right through it. Hot knife through butter. Holy shit. Hot knife through butter. Oh my god. I like it. This is. A lot of people think it's dumb, but I find it interesting now that, like, they're introducing other, like, melee weapons to the canon that. But a lot of these have existed before. Mm-hmm. Like, the concept of, um, like, heat up knives, for example, those vibro blades they were using. Wait, what? The Royal Guards were using. What? Sorry, sorry. Just. <laughs> Weirdness. True. But the viral blades have existed in the canon before. Yeah. And then it's like, but now they got like stormtroopers running around with shock sticks. So, I mean, it could potentially get a little ridiculous pretty quick. Yep. No, it definitely could. And with that note, we've been recording for a while. Uh, For everybody who went and stuck with us this long, thank you for listening to our rambles. This has been a lot of fun. Um, Go out and see the movie. We really enjoyed it. Criticisms aside, I don't mean to sound like we're fanboys. I I really could elaborate more on some criticisms of the film, but the reality is a good movie is a good movie, despite its flaws. Mm -hmm. This was good. A good movie. Exactly. A really good movie. Yeah, so... I'm not telling you to support it because Disney might now have a Death Star and be able to go and blow us up. Uh, they already have a Death Star. 
I mean, depending how you look at it, they got multiple Death Stars. You know, you got <laughs> Episode 4, you got Episode 6, <laughs> you got Episode 7. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm just always going to applaud good cinema. And this, despite being from a well-established brand, despite being a, you know, film entity in and of itself, it's a good movie. And if you've ever enjoyed a Star Wars film... I think you're gonna enjoy this one so really just thanks everybody thanks for listening take our word take our word for it you'll enjoy it even if star wars isn't your thing yeah. you'll at least get a kick out of it yeah. yeah at the very least you'll go and have um yeah you'll you'll have poe being sexy i mean i <clears throat> and to make you guys want to see it even more, uh, yes, Kylo Ren does remove his shirt. Oh, yes, yes, Kylo Ren shirtless. You you wanted to see him shirtless. Driver. You got him. He's shirtless yep. for a few seconds. Yep. Yes, he is, and he refuses to put on a towel. <laughs> How was that there a scene? <laughs> anyway, you know why it was a scene. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye.